Welcome to To Every Generation, the broadcast ministry of Calvary Chapel Crossfields, located in Jamesburg, New Jersey, where we teach through the entire Bible, verse by verse, and make application to every generation. The so time that Jesus will return, more and more people are going to go away from this book that are in the church. They're going to get caught up in different things, whether it be fables or myths or different gimmicks. Everything we need for holiness and godliness is right here from Genesis to Revelation. God made it very simple. Let's take a look at the Song of Solomon, chapter 4. We're going to begin with verse 2. Your teeth are like a flock of shorn sheep, which have come up from the washing, every one of which bears twins, and none is barren among them. Your lips are like a strand of scarlet, and your mouth is lovely. Your temples behind your veil are like a piece of pomegranate. Your neck is like the Tower of David, built for an armory, on which hang a thousand bucklers, all shields of mighty men. As we take our journey through the Song of Solomon, it's like being on a a railroad track, on a train. We're going different places that we don't even know where the Lord's going to take us. I never really studied this book until this time, and, you know, I thought of the journey that we have in our life with Jesus Christ. And just going into his word and the different things that he shows us. And like the tracks up there, there's times we get derailed, isn't there? Times we get off track. But God, through his Holy Spirit, gives us boundaries. He brings us back on the track. He gets us going again. In this verse 2, your teeth are like a flock of shorn sheep. The title tonight of the message is, Beauty is Only Skin Deep. Or is it? Beauty is only skin deep. Or is it? And that's what we want to look at tonight. God's word is so deep. It's it's more than just what we see. You could study just a book. I think you could study one book of the Bible for your whole life and still be finding out things that are in God's word just from that one book. But thank God we have the whole Bible. We have from Genesis to Revelation. Wouldn't it be cool if only our eyes saw souls instead of bodies? How different our ideals of beauty would be if we just saw souls instead of the outward appearance. And isn't it cool when God looks at you or me, whether we're young, middle-aged, or older, That God doesn't look at the outward appearance, he looks at our heart. In Hebrews chapter 5, verses 11 to 14, it says, We have much to say about this, but it is hard to explain because you are dull of hearing. Although by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to reteach you the basic principle of God's word. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is still an infant inexperienced in the message of righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained their senses to distinguish good from evil. 
And when you think, and I'm, this is all being tied into, your teeth are like a flock of shorn sheep. Just think right now of teeth. Teeth grip and bite. As we grow in our relationship with Jesus, we transition from baby food to the meat of the word. If you're a new believer, the fundamental principles of God are so used to you. They're the milk of the word. They're the simplistic things of the word. But don't ever think for a moment, even you mature Christians, that God is finished with showing and revealing to us his word. And that's why it's so great that we have so many different ways to get into God's word, whether it's by reading, listening, uh, meditating on it, memorization. It doesn't matter. But as I taught a few weeks ago on uh, biblical illiteracy, how are you doing? Have you increased your time in God's word? Whether it's when you're traveling to a store, have you seen yourself growing more in the love of God's word? And we see here in Hebrews 5.11, there's a difference between the milk of the word and the meat of the word. In 1 Corinthians, and I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. I fed you with milk and not with solid food, for until now you were not able to receive it, and even now you are still not able, for you are still carnal. For where there are envy, strife, divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? Now when we see those, that word strife, strife means conflict. Strife means disagreement. Divisions among you, are you not carnal? What's carnal? Relating to fleshly desires, governed by these desires, which include corruption and perversion rather than governed by God's Holy Spirit. And we end up behaving like mere men and women, not children of God, because we're getting caught up in things that are not of God because we take our focus off of God and his word. We need his word 24-7, 365. We cannot be separated from God's word. The moment we're separated from God's word is the time that the enemy will try to shoot something in, an idea, a philosophy, a myth, some other saying. He'll try to get your mind off of the focus of Jesus Christ. When Peter was walking on the water, he was walking right to Jesus. His eyes was focused on Jesus. He was walking on top of the water. But then he started looking around at other things, things of the world, the wind, the, the waves, the rain. And he lost sight of Jesus and he started sinking. That's what happens to you and I whenever we take our focus off of God and his word. That is crucial to understand. And as we go on in history, as we go in on the church age and the end of the church age, more believers in Jesus will fall away from the faith that is here and listen to people and things that are itching their ears. Be careful. It's here. It's not coming. It's here. It's been here for decades. 1 Peter it says, therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking as newborn babes, desire the pure milk of the word. Do you desire God's word? Do you desire the pure milk? And then do you desire to chew on the meat of the word? 
that you may grow thereby, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Psalm 34, 8 says, taste and see that the Lord is good. How's your taste buds? How are they? Are you satisfying them with God's word? Or is something else going in to your mind, to your heart? And John 6.63 says, It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit, and they are life. Where are you on this screen? You know, we see the little baby, and it's really just probably a, a young teenager, but that should continue that growth to a young adult, to middle age, to an older person. Are we growing? Can you see yourself growing? through the years, through the time. Our ability to take in solid truth through reading and hearing God's word. We're doing it now together in a fellowship. We'll do it again Sunday in a fellowship. But what happens those other five days? Are you taking care of business? That is huge. That is big. Remember, there are those two wolves, the spiritual wolves, There's the flesh and there's the spirit. The one that dominates is the one you feed. Feed that spiritual wolf. And you can only feed him the food of God's word. All of us at different times can find ourselves where we are on these two charts I'm going to show you. Take a look at some of the things there. This is a self-directed life where you're on the throne and Jesus is somewhere in your world. And then there's a Christ-directed life where Jesus Christ is on the throne and everything else is outside. Still part of your world, the good things, but notice what that produces. We see the fruit of the Spirit on the left side and all the other things on the right side that come along with putting Jesus first. In that verse 2 of the Song of Solomon, it says, Your teeth are like a flock of shorn sheep. S-H-O-R-N. Shorn sheep. Shorn are clipped. The excess wool is cut off. For you and I, spiritually speaking, that's our fleshly desire is cut off. The flesh must be crucified if we are to move into a deeper walk with God. The priests in the Old Testament were told not to wear wool in their service of him. So they would not sweat in their ministry to God. Your flesh and my flesh does not need to work harder in serving Jesus. Our flesh needs to be cut off, discarded, and crucified, just like the wool on the sheep. In uh, Galatians 2.20, it says, I have been crucified, or we have been crucified with Christ, and it's no longer you and I that live, but it's Christ living in us. The life that we live in the body, we live by faith in the Son of God who loved us, And gave himself for us. 
But the question maybe you're asking is, how do I crucify myself with Christ? How do I do that? Well, one of the ways is in Romans 12 too. It's not being conformed to this world, but being transformed in your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. In order not to be conformed to this world, you have to be transformed in your mind. We're doing that right now, right? We're being transformed. We're renewing our mind. We're washing our mind, which washes our spirit, which washes our heart, which comes out through our mouth and the things that we think. It's all connected. Philippians 1.21, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is living and powerful. It's not old used words. They're not dried up words. It's God's word is living and powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces even to the division of your soul and spirit. Divide your emotions, your feelings, your thinking. It divides, it pierces the joints and the marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. When you get into God's word, you find out who you are and where you were headed before you were redeemed by the blood of the lamb. We're all headed in the same direction. Hell until Jesus intervened and opened up our eyes and we made our choice. And now we're on that journey to the kingdom of heaven. Our dear little brother knows that better than anybody right now. Drew is looking into the eyes of Jesus Christ and smiling bigger than he ever smiled right here in this church when we saw him. Remember, Jesus Christ is not through with you or me yet. Today, his mercy was new today. And one second after midnight tonight, it'll be a new morning and his mercy is new every morning. Jesus Christ is getting us ready that he might present it to himself a glorious church, the bride of Christ as you see up here, that we should be holy and without blemish. He is setting us apart every single day. But guess what? When you set yourself apart and you spend quiet time with Jesus, you read God's word by yourself, you get together with two or more people and read his word, do you know that that's just accelerating what God wants to do in your life and your heart? Because you're taking that step. You don't think he's going to bless that and and show you things, wonderful things that you would have never seen if you didn't take that time out? Besides our mind being transformed, we also want to walk in the spirit, as Galatians 5.16 says. It says, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Now understand, if you don't walk in the spirit, what's going to happen? You're going to be fulfilling the lust of the flesh. There's those two wolves that are vying for your affection. 
Which one are you feeding? When you're walking in the Spirit, you have God's Word in your heart that you will not sin against Him. You have His Word in your mind. You're meditating on it. You're praying for people as you walk by them. You're praying for people if you're in your car and they're driving by you as there's a plane going overhead. You're praying for them. Your mind is the mind of Christ who loves the whole world and he wants no one to perish. Verse 17 of Galatians 5. For the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. And Pastor Joe, in this whole thing of Romans, we saw the difference between the law, which points out our faults. And we know that when we're following God's Spirit, we don't have to follow the do's and the don'ts. It's already been done for us through the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross, his death and his resurrection. We're new creatures in Christ. The old is gone. The new is here. We're following God's lead by his Holy Spirit. Are you led by God's Holy Spirit? That could be by just reading the Bible. And you say, boy, that just pricks my heart today. I'm going in the power of the Lord. You might hear a song that just comforts you. You feel God's presence through a group of people that you're around. But are you led by the Spirit or are you led by yourself? Who is on the throne, your flesh or Jesus Christ, the resurrected Christ? We know, we've done this so many times, but we need to always hear it. Repetition is good. Repetition is important. In athletics, repetition is huge to perfect the skills that are necessary to perform in the game. Galatians 5, 19 to 21. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery and fornication and uncleanness and lewdness and idolatry and sorcery and hatred and contentions and jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I told tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in times past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Are we following the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, or are we following these things that are listed here? Look at them all. Look at them all. Some of these were habits of us before we came to Christ. This is who we were. But Christ delivered us from our flesh. Does that mean we don't sin and maybe fall into some of these? Yes, that can happen and probably does. But you know what should be happening is you're following the lead of the Holy Spirit. You should be seeing less and less of these things rearing their ugly head. And in Galatians 5, 22 to 26, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, Self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another and envying one another. Do you see the fruit of the Spirit in your life? Maybe you see a lot now. 
Maybe you see just a little bit, but a little is better than none when you were walking in the flesh. Ephesians 5, 26. As we go back to the Song of Solomon. Verse 2. Which have come up from the washing, every one of which bears twins, and none is barren among them. Which have come up from the washing. In Ephesians 26 it says that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. Remember, Jesus, one day, you and me as the bride of Christ, we are being prepared for the wedding. Jesus is washing us by his word. How much are we getting cleansed? Well, how much are you and I in his word? Right? How much are we in his word? That's cleansing us. It's cleansing our mind. It's cleansing our heart. It's cleansing our lips. It's mouth, tongue, spirit, emotions. It's doing everything. It's all right here in his word. Years ago, they had the, uh, the word challenge or the uh, water challenge. Remember, you, uh, something had the bucket of water, a bucket of ice poured under you. We have the word challenge every day. Are we pouring God's word on us to refresh us? to psych us up, to make us smile. Make Jesus your own. Don't hang on the coattails. Make him a personal God. In Joshua 1.8, it says, The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Psalm 1-2, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law, that's his word, on his word he meditates day and night. Psalm 63-6, when I remember you upon my bed, probably will happen tonight. After you go to sleep, when you wake up, when I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night. Verse 2 continues, every one of which bears twins. Good teeth were rare back in these days. They didn't have dentists like we have today. They didn't have fluoride. They didn't have dental floss. Sorry, Maria. You would have been lost back in those days. They didn't have things for the health of your teeth. Balance of grace and mercy. Bear twins, the balance of grace and mercy. You know, a smile shows emotion or sadness. But boy, when you have a balance of grace and mercy in your life that you show others what twins to have and it's shown in your countenance when you deal with someone else. And that verse 2 continues, and none is barren among them. None were missing. 
There were no teeth missing. There were no cavities. Speaks of fruitfulness. There was life. Everything was in place. Nothing spoiled her smile as the king looked on the Shulamite woman here in the Song of Solomon. Nothing spoiled her smile. Is there anything that spoils our smile? As we look out on the world and the things that happen, is our joy uh, destroyed? Or do we have a heavenly perspective that the best is yet to come? Do you know that the best is yet to come? Whatever the enemy throws at you or me, the best is coming. The best is yet to come. Everything is temporary. Like the Shulamite's teeth, our outlook should be perfectly in place. We might get toothaches and cavities, spiritually speaking. But when we go to Jesus, he fixes everything just like we want our dentist to. Are you extracting anything from this message? I see a few smiles and a few nods. Thank you. Joy versus happiness. Joy versus happiness. What is happiness? Happiness depends on what happens. Depends on your circumstances, if they're good or bad. Joy is the fruit of the Spirit. It's what is produced by the Holy Spirit in your life if you spend time with Jesus Christ. When you spend time with your Savior, He produces the joy in your life. When we sin, we grieve God. And this can rob our joy. You might be here tonight and you don't have any joy. Well, maybe God's trying to show you something. And we know when we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to restore us to all righteousness. He does that. God takes care of his kids. He's a great dad. He's an awesome father. D.L. Moody, who was an American evangelist and a preacher and a publisher, during his last hours on earth, his family gathered around his bedside. He cried out, oh, this is wonderful. Don't call me back. Then he went into a coma. But just before dying, he recovered and said, earth is receding. Heaven is opening up before me. Now, D.L. Moody had two grandkids who had died in infancy. D.L. Moody opened his eyes once again and said while grabbing his son for his son's hand, this is wonderful. I see Irene and Dwight. I see the children. He died with joy. He died as he lived. To go into Drew's service and funeral the other day, make this come alive to me? Yes. Yes. When you close your eyes, as a Christian does when they go to be with the Lord, the world calls it death. We go to sleep. And you open up in the presence of the Lord. Who are you going to see besides Jesus? We're going to see Jesus. Who's going to be there? I have a handful of people I can't wait to see. The latest being the Drew man. What a great day that's going to be. I'm so pumped. 
And I know some people here. I can't wait to see Bob. I can't wait to see uh, Mike. I can't wait to see Brian, who you don't even know, some of you. But I can't wait to see these people. I can't wait to see my mom and dad. And how important is it while we're on this earth to pray for those who don't know Jesus yet so we can look forward to seeing them one day? Verse 3. Your lips are like a strand of scarlet, and your mouth is lovely. Your temples behind your veil are like a piece of pomegranate. The lips and mouth are two expressive parts of the face along with the eyes. It can express hardness or tenderness. Can express pain or surprise. Sorrow and laughter. Now it says here, now the lips are the strand of scarlet. Bible students sometimes referred to the scarlet thread running through the Bible. I don't know if you've ever heard of that expression. The Bible's theme is Jesus Christ and a sacrifice for the redemption of mankind. It runs from Genesis to Revelation. The Bible mentions a scarlet thread in several different contexts, from an unusual childbirth to the high priestly garments to the conquest of Canaan. One of the references to this scarlet thread is in Joshua chapter 2. Two spies have been sent to Jericho in advance of the Israelites' taking of that city. The spies were hidden in Jericho by Rahab, the harlot, the prostitute, who expressed her faith in Israel's God and protected the spies. Rahab allowed the Hebrew spies to escape from Jericho by letting them down her window by means of a rope made up of a scarlet thread. As they departed, the spies told Rahab, tie this cord of scarlet thread in the window with the promise that she and her household would be kept safe in the coming invasion. By faith, Rahab obeyed, and she tied the scarlet cord in the window. Later, when the walls of Jericho fell down and the Israelites took the city, Joshua commanded that Rahab and her family be spared. Marking her home was, of course, the cord of scarlet thread. The rope in her window was a sign of her faith and led to her salvation. And she was not destroyed with the rest of Jericho. The scarlet rope, the color of blood, worked for Rahab much as the blood of the Passover lamb had worked during the Exodus. Every home marked with blood was spared death that night. God's mercy and forgiveness of Rahab, the harlot, was signified by a rope of scarlet thread, which becomes a symbol of the blood of Christ. The blood of Christ runs throughout the entire Bible symbolically. It is seen in the animals killed in Eden to provide garments for Adam and Eve, the ram that took Isaac's place on the altar of Moriah, the Passover lamb, the institution of the sacrificial system, the scarlet rope of Rahab, and the thousands of years of sacrifices performed at the tabernacle and temple. The scarlet thread runs all the way up to John the Baptist's declaration, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. 
and to the foot of the cross where Jesus finally said, it is finished. We know that without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. And that's why the symbolism of the scarlet thread in the Bible is significant. The scarlet thread is the theme of atonement found throughout the pages of Scripture. In Psalm 22, sometimes called the Psalm of the Cross, is a great chapter of the Bible that tells about the suffering of Jesus 1,000 years before he came to give his life on the cross. In verse 6 of Psalm 22, Jesus says something odd. I'm a worm and no man. What did he mean by saying I'm a worm? And as we're going to close in this, these next thoughts, what you're looking at right now, believe it or not, is a crimson worm or a scarlet worm. And watch how this unfolds as we go and tie it back to the verse in the Song of Solomon with the scarlet thread. In verse 6 of Psalm 22, Jesus says, but I'm a worm. What did he mean by that? The Hebrew word Jesus used here for worm is tola, which means crimson worm or scarlet worm. Both scarlet and crimson are the colors of blood, deep red. The crimson worm is a very special worm that looks more like a grub than a worm. When it is time for the mother worm to have babies, which he does only one time in her life, she finds the trunk of a tree, a wooden fence post, or a stick. She then attaches her body to that wood and makes a hard crimson shell. She is so strongly and permanently stuck to the wood that the shell can never be removed without tearing her body completely apart and killing her. The crimson worm then lays her eggs under her body and the protective shell. When the baby worms hatch, they stay under the shell. Not only does the mother's body give protection for her babies, but it also provides them with food. The babies feed on the living body of the mom. After just a few days, when the young worms grow to the point that they are able to take care of themselves, the mother dies. As the mother crimson worm dies, she oozes a crimson or scarlet dye, which not only stains the wood she is attached to, but also her young children. They are colored scarlet red for the rest of their lives. After three days, the dead mother crimson worm's body loses its crimson color and turns into a white wax, which falls to the ground like snow. Just like the crimson worm, Jesus sacrificed or gave up his life on the tree so that his children might be washed with his crimson blood and their sins cleansed, white as snow. He died for us that we might live through him. Verse 3 continued, From the mouth all he heard and saw was lovely. A heart captured by the Savior will always have words for the Savior. Sprinkled throughout their conversation, throughout their thoughts, and will make what comes out of the mouth even more lovely. Above all else, Proverbs says, Guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. 
Keep your mouth free of perversity. Keep corrupt talk far from your lips. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Give careful thought to the paths of your feet and be steadfast in all your ways. Praise and prayer comes from your mouth to our shepherd and it is lovely to him. All of this comes as a result of his sacrifice. And as we close right now, your lips are like a strand of scarlet. You know why? Because as Jesus is making you and me into his bride, our mind, our heart, our thoughts, our words, all are lovely in his sight as he looks at us. We're getting ready to meet the king. We're getting ready to meet our husband, Jesus Christ. He's preparing our, a bride, that's you and me. And as we take the things in the Song of Solomon that are so rich, it's unbelievable that the meanings in the things that are going on here. Understand, never take it for granted. The greatest book ever written by the greatest God and the only one God that we have. Let's pray. You've been listening to To Every Generation from Calvary Chapel Crossfield. We're located at 15 Half Acre Road in Jamesburg, New Jersey. We meet for Bible study Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m. and Sunday service begins at 10.30 a.m. On Sundays, we have children's church for all ages in addition to infant and nursery care. You can find out more about the ministry here at Calvary Chapel Crossfields by going to cccrossfields.org. Thanks for listening, and may God bless you.